0: Hello, I'm Chris Biddle, and thank you for joining me for episode 86 of Inside Agriturf. Now, if you were in the industry 20, 25 years ago, it was very much a case of manufacturers are from Mars, dealers are from Venus. The two groups were often at odds. It was often the independents versus the corporates, David versus Goliath. You get the unimaginable happened when in July 2021 the Manufacturers Trade Association, the AEA, that's the Agricultural Engineers Association, bought BAGMA, the British Agricultural and Garden Machinery Association, the trade body representing sales and service dealers to the farm, grass and outdoor power equipment market. To many it appeared a move from left field. On the other hand, it made considerable sense. Like many others, the industry has changed in this internet age. And during COVID, it threw up major challenges which resulted in AEA and BAGMA working closely together in order to present a united industry voice to government, particularly with regard to continuous trading during lockdown. That was perhaps the catalyst that proved that better together was preferable to being in separate camps. But whilst the AEA and BAGMA are now housed under one roof, they retain their individual identities, member services, staff and officers. So today I'm joined by the respective presidents of AEA and Bagman to reflect on the first full year of togetherness, on trading and business in 2022, and their views on what lies ahead in 2023. David Withers is president of the AEA and the managing director of Iziki UK, a subsidiary of the Japanese manufacturer of compact tractors and turf management equipment. Peter Arendt is president of BAGMA and the after-sales manager of multi-branch dealership Class Eastern, owned by the German farm machinery manufacturer. Now, you might hear that we had a few issues with the Zoom audio feed in the early part of this episode. Uh, We seem to be picking up some phantom feedback, but I do hope it doesn't detract from your enjoyment of this episode. So, David, Peter, welcome, and many thanks for joining me. First, I'd like to ask whether the, the coming together of AEA and BAGMA has proved to be a beneficial union. Uh, David, first.
1: Yes, it has. I mean, I, I think overall the strategic impulse of the AEA to, to, to bring the two organisations together was absolutely correct, and I think long-term we will see significant benefits from it. I think it's fair to say that there was some operational stuff that we had to go through for the first year or so, unpicking BAGMA out of BIRA, with with them having been part of BIRA for for decades, was a um, challenge and uh, took up quite a lot of time and effort. So I think we're at the point now where we can be more external looking. We can start to look more at, you know, where are our member benefits that we can improve? How can we be more outgoing? How can we look at the synergies between the two organisations and drive more information and be more relevant and more um, important to to our members? So I think it's good. I'm I'm been quite involved uh, personally. I, I think I can see the future and where it's going, but we have had to deal with operational issues. Uh, to get ourselves you've got to get the foundation right and then you can move on if you try to you know run before you can walk um then then i think you could get yourself into trouble so i think we did the right thing focus on the operational side get that all in place and now we can start to look more uh more forward-looking as it were
0: Uh, and have you uh, have you generally covered um or sorted out all the uh logistical and operational issues that uh, of divorcing yourself from Byra?
1: Yes, we're now through all of that. Okay. Everything is now run internally within the AEA and um, that's all now taken care of. Excellent.
0: And, and Peter, what's it been like being under the umbrella of uh, the AEA?
2: Um, from a BAGMA's perspective, um, the separation from one company uh, and the transition to new ownership of BAGMA was was never going to be a, an easy one. Uh, but the BAGMA team, the support from the AEA, uh, worked tirelessly to make it happen, really.
0: Oh, excellent. I mean, the whole idea of, 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 of BAGMA being under the roof of the AEA maybe 20, 30 years ago would have been totally unthinkable, wouldn't it? Um,
2: yeah, I, I think so. Um, like I said, I think, uh, you know, there's um, we've got some clear uh, paths where we can all work together. Um, there will undoubtedly be one or two challenging times where we maybe have to take separate routes. Um, but I think, uh, you know, the agreement, uh, you know, certainly... J A AA being very supportive in the things that we want to do and things that we want to drive forward uh, and they have their own projects as well so um, up to now it's been really good it's been really good to work together
0: At this point the interference worsened briefly during my next question about the newly published social media campaign We Are Land Based Engineering and I wondered how the industry could use the campaign constructively to raise awareness of our industry uh, David, first.
1: Well, I think uh, initially we're going to get all of our members to try to promote that this out both through their dealer networks and directly to all their contacts. Obviously, there's quite a lot of reach when you look at the companies that are represented uh, at the AEA. Um, you know, there's some big companies there with with a lot of reach. So. Um, Initially, that's the, the plan to get it out there uh, and use our own, uh, you know, marketing facilities and so on to, to to move it along. I think as well, we are sending it to uh, headmasters uh, of, of a selection of schools to get their feedback. Uh, and I think as time goes on, we're going to want to get it more broadly out into schools. You know, in that sort of 13 to 17 year old uh, area where people are actually starting to do their career as advice and sitting down perhaps for the first time and thinking about what O-levels they want to do, what A-levels, I know, I know they're not called that anymore, but um, what O and A-levels they want to do and start to, to formulate where their career is going to go. So I think if we can get it in front of kids of that age, uh, then I think that that will help, hopefully. And, and Peter,
0: you know, is this something that you would use uh, to supplement your own uh, recruitment uh, activities? Um, I think, um, I mean, it will certainly add
2: to, to the value. Um, I mean, I was recently, um, as part of my, one of my other uh, jobs is um, I'm a, a link governor uh, for careers within a school. Uh, and I went into schools about two weeks ago and uh, spent some time just talking with uh, students about uh, opportunities in our industry, really. You know, there, there is, has been a, a range of information out there in the past but i think the more information that we can get and the more clear a message that we can send uh, to schools um the better really so i think you know it's really important to get into that age range that david talked about uh, it's really important to to make sure that that information's there and available for from to make informed decisions
0: i mean presumably a campaign like this um it is 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 not cheap to put together i mean and and if you take it forward uh, maybe the opportunity to uh, attend careers fairs and that sort of thing um is there a funding model in place uh, david to, to to underpin this campaign
1: um so so far it's um you know we we the aea have generated most of the uh, material um you know and so within marketing within the aea a lot of this has been has been generated i think I wouldn't say that we've got a specific pot of money allocated to it. Um, but I think what we do have is a lot of commitment from pretty much all strands of the industry um, who all acknowledge that, like many other industries, we are struggling to get enough people. The more we can go out and and to, you know, put a, put our case out there for that it is an exciting industry, it is an interesting industry to be a part of, um, that, then I think the more we can do that, then uh, the more successful we'll be.
0: And I, I thought one of the most exciting aspects of the the launch, and I think it was on Facebook, was the participation in the New Scientist Live event. So that must be the aim to to to, to put agricultural engineering and its related uh, subjects uh, together with other industries in front of as many people as you can. Um, Peter. Um, in, in terms of, of, of recruitment at the moment, what's your position? How, how successful are you being in, in attracting uh, either new apprentices or new staff?
2: Um, I think, um, I mean, everybody's experience. I speak to obviously a lot of dealers in the dealer network uh, and it's a very mixed response. Uh, sometimes um, it can be well, that just the right person comes along. Um, but, but generally, you know, it, it is difficult to find the right people uh, that you want to attract, really.
0: Is it planned? um, Is it planned, David, to have any sort of promotion printed uh, material for this to hand out at shows and so on, which uh, which carries all the logo and the information?
1: Yes. In fact, we saw the drafts of that. um, We had a a board meeting yesterday, and we saw the drafts of it yesterday. So uh, yes, there will be some marketing collateral to go with the uh, uh, with the uh, website and um, uh, and videos.
0: I, I was somewhat surprised to see that there was absolutely no mention of this campaign on either the AEA site or the Bagmus uh, website or indeed the IAGRI website. And indeed, if you Google uh, land-based engineering, it still takes you to the original Leetech uh, site. Um, did that ought to be tidied up?
1: Yes, yeah, so I think we're, we're early on. But, yeah, those, those are things that need uh, need to get addressed.
0: Well look I uh, wish you well with that campaign uh, it's it's a start and uh, as we we all acknowledge and uh, you know anything that the industry can do to poke its head more above the parapet uh, it must be must be welcomed the other thing that uh, AEA were involved in was a, a joint signatory to a letter that went out with uh, bigger and with the GMA which was headlined uh, better together what was this specifically to do with shows and what was the rationale b- between putting that uh, letter out David
1: yes it, it's it's been driven primarily by uh, discussions around shows uh, the reason for putting something out was that we had been having uh, discussions. Obviously, you know, people hear stuff and so on and so forth. And we just wanted to formalise the fact that discussions were in place uh, and sort of acknowledge that that was the case rather than it just, you know, perhaps people hearing things or, 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 or guessing or insinuating or, or whatever. So it was really just say so we were. I, I did listen to your last week's podcast where it was described as woolly. Um, and uh, And I think that's a fair comment, to be honest. It is relatively woolly because we don't have anything definitive agreed at this point. And so it was really just an acknowledgement that the three organisations are in dialogue and really just trying to look at what does the future look like if you look at this over a 5-10 year period. I think uh, discussions did actually start before Groundsfest was announced, but perhaps that adds some impetus to the discussions as well in that you know, I, I mean, I, we could talk about shows for hours. You know, I, I, I have my views and so on, but um, I, I don't think it's great if we end up with a truly fragmented show calendar where if you take half a dozen of the biggest companies in this industry, you can't go to one show and see them. You, you know, one of them goes to this show, a different one goes to that show, another one goes to that show. Is that really what we want to give to our uh, attendees to our to our industry that there isn't a place where you can see and maybe it's a multiple shows, but I don't know, but um, that there isn't somewhere where we, we can all be seen together. And I think you know that, that is probably something that everybody would agree with that um, to see it completely fragmented isn't perhaps uh, where we all want to end up with it being.
0: Uh, and for a relatively small industry of course um you know it, 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 and to have the prospect of four shows seems overkill to me but uh there we go i'm sure the discussions will be ongoing and um uh, there are a lot of uh, factors at play here of course uh, to do with uh, existing contractual arrangements with venues and so on so i don't think we're going to see anything soon happen
1: no and i, and I think as well chris ju- just on that point i think what all of the group, you know, all, all of the representatives are, are looking at is, you know, we are in a new era. So you know, if you go back to what a show is today, it's very, very similar to what it was 25 years ago. And yet we are in this completely different uh, market where, where the internet has revolutionised everything, where, where that information spread can be done so differently. And I think it's just, if we fast forward over 15, 20 years, what, what does a show look like? You know, it, it, uh, and I think those are the kind of discussions we're... We're
0: thinking of being able to have. Okay, um, Peter, on the the Bagma side generally. Um, firstly, is there any update news on uh, a replacement for Keith Christian yet? I I know that you've been seeking, uh, uh, and he had said he's going to retire. As as I know, Keith, uh, I believe that when I see it in terms of his uh, involvement in the industry. But but what's the situation at the moment? Um, yeah,
2: I mean, is Keith, very much um, still around at the moment, um, carrying on, on business as usual. I mean, the, the recruitment and, and replacement process um, has been far and wide reaching, really. Uh, We've spoken to some some very interesting people during the process. I mean, hopefully we'll have an update shortly in the new year, but I'm sure you can as appreciate. Um, we have to keep all the sort of current and, and past discussions confidential with those people. But uh, I am hoping... Hopefully, you know, in the new year that we can
0: uh, we can probably announce something. Excellent. Okay, that's fine. Uh, and tell me, again, from the BAGMA um, aspect, what is, when you've been having your meetings this year, Yeah, what's been the sort of lead on the agenda? What's been the main item that you've been focusing on?
2: I mean, we, we, we sort of have two, two uh, types of meeting running at the moment. One, one's the Connect meeting, which uh, we go to uh, different regions uh, around the country um we there's a lot of focus on, on as you can probably appreciate recruitment and retention um i think we've uh, we're looking at apprenticeships how we recruit people how we bring people into um, to our industry i, I think that's been you know, that's, that has been a big focus uh, and i think it will continue to be just around the corner we've obviously we've touched on it slightly earlier today uh, we've got the launch um, of the land based campaign uh, we are land based um, but also, um, we've got the apprenticeship running. Uh, we've also got the new T level levels around the corner as well. So, I think uh, you know, there's been a lot of discussion in industry how that fits, how it works, um, and and when it when it's available this next year.
0: And do you have um, do you have joint meetings? Formal now, joint meetings with. Uh, with the AEA, Uh, obviously previously during COVID, particularly uh, Ruth uh, Bailey and Keith Christian were meeting together to uh, formulate a response to the impact of COVID. Are these sort of meetings sort of now standard practice now that you're part of the AEA? Um, We do.
2: We do have a a forum to do that uh, within the AEA. Obviously, we're, we're very keen to the AEA as, as as their board and, and the, the Badger as their council. So certainly those two elements are, are kept separate because we think that should should be the case. Um, but obviously um, as and when we need to, you know, we can we can formulate uh, discussions. Hopefully in the new year, um, the training and education group will will maybe have a joint meeting together um, to discuss some of the challenges of, over this next twelve months.
0: And and and, and David, um, guess. What's been top of the uh, AEA agenda this year? I guess that um, this uh, consolidation of of, of uh, the of BAGMA under the AEA umbrella has, has been an ongoing um, issue. Uh, but what else has been exercising your minds?
1: Yes, I think administratively, uh, the integration of BAGMA has, has taken quite a lot of time and effort. I think if we look more at the issues that there are at the marketplace, obviously a lot of the discussion... Has been dominated by availability um you know people talking about that. It's not something we as the aea can particularly do anything about but it's definitely been a lively uh, topic of conversation as people have looked at the issues around freight and you know moving stuff around the world as well as the uh, supply chains that have been damaged by uh, a combination of uh, a combination of things i think as well you know the divergence potentially of british regulation away from eu regulation adds tremendous potential complexity to our lives. And um, the AA has been very active in its uh, discussion with Bayes and various other government uh, departments in terms of making sure that we are highlighting some of the issues uh, that would happen in terms of significant divergence of uh, standards. You know, at the end of the day, the UK market is maybe 1% or 2% of the global tractor market. And uh, people are not going to manufacture... Uh, put up specifically for a different set of regulations uh, if they're now fundamentally going to become fundamentally different to what they are in uh, in europe or america so i think there are challenges ahead and uh, the aea has been very active in making sure that our uh, uh, concerns are uh, highlighted with the relevant government departments
0: um you're, you're a member of the european organization CEMA. um They came out with a reasonably optimistic uh, barometer at the end of the year about increased business. Are you seeing that reflected within the UK? Yes,
1: I think order books are strong um, at manufacturer level. I think some of that is uh, the uh, uh, distribution chain, as it were, making sure that they've got sufficient orders in place with their manufacturing partners um, because everybody's kind of put themselves caught out a little bit with not having enough inventory. So I think uh, some of the orders are, if you like, just forward orders rather than additional demand. So, uh, but, but I'd say overall, yes, I think that's a fair comment that uh, the demand has been pretty strong and supply has been the uh, defining issue as to whether you can, can actually get those goods out the door. Uh, we're not at that point where everybody's full, warehouse is full and not enough demand. It does feel still, like generally speaking, that there is good demand uh, as and when the goods are available from a supply side point of view. And, uh,
0: and, and Peter, I guess going back to the Bagma agenda and, and your own personal, I know, interest is the introduction of, of T levels next year. Um, what, what's your own view on how, uh, how useful that will be in, in, in getting staff and training staff and, and so on?
2: Um, well, I think it's, it's really, um, really important to the industry. Um, there's a lot of um, the T level is um, a, a level three qualification. And I know the government are looking to streamline um, level three qualification, level two and level three qualifications. Um, certainly, you know, the T levels has a, um, a cross party support. And um, I think that's where we'll see see funding channeled in the future. As you know, there are a, a two year programme where students learn. Core knowledge and skills that are, are needed for entry um, into a, a range of agricultural land management and production occupations. Really, um, you know, so uh, industries like farming, tree surgeon, landscape forestry worker, uh, and obviously um, our land-based engineering uh, industry is involved in that as well. So it's it's available from from twenty twenty-three, which um, is just round the corner now, and um, and then part of um, you know what what we need to do out there. There's been a lot of questions in our. Um, sort of meetings and, and when the Connect meetings been going on the road about you know how we can support that uh, it does need a, an industry placement involved in that um, and I think as an industry um, you know there's, there's several routes in, 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 into our industry um, one of those is is, is an apprenticeship um, not all people come via the apprenticeship if we can get more people in interested so um, sowing the seed in in the T level if that's more appropriate for them um, then I only see that as a good thing really
0: now a, a, a lot of members and potential members always ask of trade associations uh what's in it for me um and you obviously from Bagma's point of view have developed a, a quite attractive range of services um and and you seem to be adding to those is there any are there any plans rather to uh, to for those to be available to uh, the aea david is this a discussion because i know when i talked to ruth uh that there was some idea that they couldn't necessarily trans um, transport across to the aea members uh, where are you on that
1: yes i think it's still an open um open discussion i mean it's i'm not sure if you're aware but quite a lot of the aea members are also bag members i mean i speak for my company we we've always been Uh, both AEA and BAGMA members and actually since uh, the acquisition of BAGMA there were more AEA members who have joined BAGMA um, as kind of showing their support uh, for that organization as well so um, I think it's um, there's certainly not anything at the moment that says right all of the rights and information that an AEA member gets is going to be passed to BAGMA and likewise not all of the Uh, advantages of being a BAGMA member will be automatically passed on to being uh, an AEA uh, member. So we'll pick and choose and see which ones where it makes sense.
0: Um, One of the interesting um, uh, items I saw on a recent uh, BAGMA uh, bulletin or something was um, th- th- this question of dealer benchmarking because all 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 dealers are independent. I know Peter, your your company is is actually owned by a manufacturer, but but most dealers in the country and some of the dealers within big franchises do share information and are able to uh, benchmark their activity against fellow dealers. Um, is this ever a practicality? Do you think, Peter? I think um I mean certainly
2: benchmarking um I think it, it certainly can be useful um certainly uh, Bagma is obviously um part of clima uh, the European organisation uh, and I think they've certainly uh, been looking to to use it a lot more um over a number of years than than we have necessarily in this country i think I think yes, it can um obviously we've got to be careful what information we share, but I think obviously there is a an element of of some information. That you know, how am I doing today? Um, and how does that compare to other people? Um, can make you sort of improve the business, improve how you do things um, for the good of all, really. So I think certainly, um, you know, you need people to be honest, um, and you obviously need to be be clear about what information that you is sharing. But I do I do think that there is um, a good um, platform or a, a good. Um, reason to to be involved in it
0: and and what's your view then david you've been involved in in companies international companies um is it ever a practicality is it useful
1: i think it is as long as you may keep it fairly tight um these things can become too big and then they become too difficult and you know it all just kind of falls apart uh, it is something we've we've done with with dealer networks in the past in previous companies that I've worked at where we've been able to to, to share information. But I think what we're looking at here is keeping it relatively, uh, from what I understand, rel- relatively tight. So looking at things like you know, so if you're absorbing your labour at ninety two percent, is that good or is that bad? You know, what what are, what are my peers managing to do? If you're hitting a heart's fill rate of eighty two percent first fill you know, out of stock, is that good or is that bad? I mean, if, if you've got nothing to compare it to, you don't know whether that's something you should be saying, I, I'm proud of, or, oh, my goodness, I've got a lot of work to do to improve. So I think we'll keep it, from what I understand, to, to relatively simple, uh, low-level stuff to begin with, get that information, share it out in an anonymized form so people can see what the, um, you know, where they figure, you know, in, in, against their peers, but without seeing who they're. You know, peers up, and um, and I think from that people can you know see whether that adds value. If it adds value to our members, then I think you could broaden it perhaps slightly in the future. But I think to begin with, keep it pretty tight. Um, get some decent information that people can just you know just see how they're doing versus their peers.
0: Peter, how um, from a Bagma point of view, what sort of information are you getting through um, about dealers? Uh, business this year, and uh, maybe I mean, is that reflected through your company? the the the, the, the general performance? Uh, how are you? How are you viewing 2022?
2: Um, I mean, obviously, 2022 was was a, a difficult year. Um, I think everybody appreciates that 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 was the case. You know, it's there's we we all operate now in a global world. And the conflicts in, in Ukraine certainly having a, a massive impact impact on that. So I think and believe that, you know, a lot of people were very good at adapting in this industry. And I think the industry is adapting around these these challenges that are coming along. Sometimes it takes a little longer than, than you would appreciate. But, um, you know, I think people now uh, are better prepared, better planning. Um, and I think, you know, looking into next year, um, are probably a little bit more confident than probably they were six months ago.
0: Indeed, and David, um, from your perspective—I mean, from the perspective of your own company, Isaiah—and also the feedback you're getting from AEA members across the board—how um, do you how, how do you view 2022?
1: I think it's been challenging, but I, I'm going to guess that most of the manufacturers will have had good, profitable years. I think it's uh, it's it, it it's felt odd uh, because i think for the first time in my 35 years of uh, selling uh, uh, metal um, that there's been more demand than supply and generally speaking if you take all of the factories all over the world and they all run flat out there's more capacity than there is demand and so historically over the years we've always been in that in that place where you know it is a buyer's market we we have to sell uh you've got to promote you've got to get the stuff out you got you know you've got to do that whereas i think this last year or so has been odd in that the orders have just flowed in and and actually that there's you know it's been all around supply has been the uh, uh the determining factor of what volume you're going to get out the door so i think a lot of companies were in that position uh i think margins have improved across the industry i think dealers have improved their margins uh, i think manufacturers probably have improved their margins as well and um so I think it's been an odd year. It's felt bad because you feel like you're letting people down because you're not supplying in a timely manner. But, you know, as I look at it overall, my guess is that you know people have done financially relatively okay out of it.
0: And and do you get any sense that the supply uh, situation is is improving, is
1: easing? Yes, and I think you can look on that on a, 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 as a – from a simple machines, I, I, you know, so bottom ends – um, I think that is improving quicker than at the top end. So just think of it on a, a scale of complexity. The less complex it is, uh, the more it's improving, I think. Um, and so you're seeing sort of you know, domestic machines, you know, the consumer machines, I think starting to flow pretty well now. And if anything, perhaps dealers now getting a lot of inventory coming in that perhaps they ordered a long time ago and, and, and now has arrived and that those factories have now caught up and are doing okay. I think the other guys, where you're into the more complex stuff, I think there's still supply chain challenges there, um, particularly around sort of some of the hydraulics and some chips and some electronics and stuff like that, which is still not as readily available as it, as it traditionally would be. And,
0: and at the sharp end, Peter, um, do you concur with that? Or how have you found supplies, and do you get a sense that uh, the situation is, is improving?
2: um yeah i think to sort of echo david you know i think the situation is improving um and i think but i think a lot of that is um has been responsive as an industry um to to get those solutions in place um when we can't find things really you know the the industry's had a lot thrown at it and the supply chain has as well um over this last year um but I, i think that it's made us actually Um, from a dealer perspective question what we do have on the shelf um do we maybe need to have a little bit more do we need to uh account for if um if we maybe have a run on something or or a few more parts are needed for something yeah i think it's i think it's um certainly the events over the last few years has certainly i think brought into sharp focus and and probably a more need for for, than ever to to make sure that you you definitely control your inventory and and what you have on the shelf really Uh,
0: and and how are you uh how at the turn of the year? How, how are you viewing twenty twenty three then, Peter, uh, from a from a dealer's perspective and and from BAGMUS perspective, of course.
2: I, th- I think there is. Um, I think certainly we see some dealers sort of bringing forward uh, their, their stock orders, um, having more um, in the in basically in, in the buildings and on site. I think that, you know, like last year, uh, like, like David said, that demand was outstripping supply, really. Um, I think there is some stock there now. I think machines are now um, coming through. I, I think, you know, certainly from, from my perspective, you know, we're looking positively towards 23. Um, you know, it, it's, things have improved. People are still looking to invest. Yeah, I think I'm hoping that next year should um, see a good year, really.
0: Uh, and are the workshops and service bays full? And uh, at the moment, um, I certainly are. Um, <laughs> at the
2: moment, you know, you, you know. Traditionally, when I started in the industry thirty four years ago, uh, November and December was painting the walls and and tidying up and and getting ready for a quiet January, and then uh, sort of getting busy for for um, for spring. Really, these days, um, you know, we we are in a very different world um there's a lot of preventative maintenance contracts sold with machines we have a lot of machines now that we do check over customers want maximum uptime and the way of doing that is getting them in early getting them checked over um and make sure the reliability sh- there for those quite often short weather windows that we have so um i mean obviously uh, you know we had a fantastic summer this last year probably too hot at times but, and it's certainly a short harvest, but, um, you know, we, we know the weather's never predictable. Uh, next year could be very different, and, and, and I think certainly from customer's point of view, you know, they, they do see um, um, the huge benefits of, of having things checked over, getting it done in winter, getting it done early, so they're prepared and ready to go when, when they want to go
0: indeed and david um you know you've been involved in the industry for a long time um, it's the one important ponderable isn't it the weather it's the one thing we can do absolutely nothing about but it, the weather patterns do seem to be changing and uh um as, as we've seen you know just very recently uh, how are you viewing uh 2023 sort of commercially
1: um i think you're absolutely right about the weather. Uh, you know. I, I, some people, it was good weather this last year, uh, depending on what you were doing. Other people, it was dreadful. Um, certainly, the grass didn't grow for a lot of uh, a lot of the year. So, um, we're hoping maybe there'll be a better growing year next year. But um, I'm feeling okay about 2023. I think it's going to be all right. I think if you're in the lower end of the market in, um, you know, selling distress purchases to Middle to low income consumers, I think you might have a challenging time um, as, we, as we look at that. Uh, I think if you're selling stuff to more um, businesses where they're looking at uh, putting capital expenditure in place and high net worth individuals who are, who are looking at toys to play with uh, in their you know, mansions, then I think those guys are going to do pretty well. Um, so I think it is a bit of a split there as to how it's going to end up. I think the thing we as an industry have just got to keep a very close eye on is the factories have all geared up to significantly increase production levels. And, and and some of this is not because of increased demand. Some of it is because of increased ordering. And, and I think Pete made a point there that dealers are looking at it and said, oh, maybe I should have a bit more on the shelf than I used to have. Well, if you gear up for that level of production, you're really artificially gearing up too high because that is just to fill the warehouses. It's a one-off blip. Once the warehouse is full, it will, it will go back to normal levels of demand. And I think we as an industry, all of us have just got to, just got to keep a, a weather eye on that, that we don't end up overproducing, overstocking. Then demand goes back to perhaps normal, in inverted commas whatever normal. whatever is normal whatever is normal and uh, and suddenly everybody's awash with with inventory because certainly at the moment i would guess the liquidity in our in our industry is the best it's ever been because the stocks are probably at the lowest they've ever been yeah so everybody's got loads of cash at the moment but gradually that cash will turn into inventory and we have just got to be careful that we don't allow that to happen too much
0: indeed and uh, well, look. Um, thank you to both of you for your, for your time. And 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 lastly, Peter, is, is there one thing that you'd you'd like to see from a Bagma perspective, or even from your own company's perspective, uh, next year? What is there one thing that you would uh, put under the Christmas tree as a as a request to Santa Claus? Oh,
2: <laughs> I think we are working our. Um... Uh, day jobs don't we and, and there's always so much to do these days and, and trying to pick one thing out of there is is really difficult i know certainly i'm i'm sort of passionate uh, regarding sort of the training side of things and you know i think we've got some very exciting times ahead and i think where we need to do you know we have to be serious about what our age profiles are within our dealerships Um, and and we have to really seriously as an industry um, really start moving towards reducing that age profile within within our industry you know we've got we've got some fantastic guys uh, in our industry doing a great job but they are at the sort of the 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 end of the careers and and, you know we need to put some emphasis on getting new new people in um, and, and then being the the guys for for the future.
0: In, indeed. And, uh, and uh, David, is there, is there one thing that uh, you would put on a note under the Christmas tree for Santa Claus, uh, apart from uh, more more clement weather for your products?
1: Um, I think uh, a better trading relationship with the European Union would do us all a lot of good.
0: Well, look, on, on that note, um, and that's not going to be easy anyway, and, and it's probably going to take some time to, to, to sort out, could I thank you both very much for your time today thank you david thank you peter um well, you. And it's been very interesting and uh, might i wish you both well well both for obviously for the for the season for christmas and the new year and and hope that santa brings you everything that you wish for in 2023 thank you very much indeed thank
1: you chris Thanks, chris
0: Cheers. Well, that was a lot of ground covered with uh, David and Peter. And I thought it was the interesting point was about balancing uh, demand and supply as uh, supply eases during uh, 2023. This is the last episode of Inside Agrita for uh, 2022. And we'll take a break uh, until mid-January. So could I thank you once again for all your support that you've given to the podcast. I'm Chris Biddle. Thank you again for joining me and this is Inside AgriTurf.